the Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. Today, my guest is Rebecca Rose. So Rebecca is an online sex worker who practices ethical non-monogamy. And, a belie- and she also believes that every relationship is unique and society shouldn't label certain relationships as being not normal. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about this because I was just talking about this off of the podcast about how some people find monogamy really scary. Yes. And I've definitely been in that position before myself. So <laughs> <laughs> let's unpack this a little bit. Absolutely. Let's do it. Before we get started, I wondered if you could share a little bit about your journey and kind of a little bit about how you ended up here today. And then I'll ask you some questions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So kind of what started my journey of being naked for money, I started doing life modeling. There was just a class in in this town I was living in and I thought, I think I could do that. And I don't know what, it just popped in. I felt eager about it. So I gave it a try and I felt very empowered, which was interesting. Like Like many people on the female end of the gender spectrum, I've really struggled with my image, my body, and I found it to be so freeing. And so from that, I was trying to look for more opportunities to explore that. And I actually had a partner at the time who was subscribed to OnlyFans, like following people. And I thought, if there are people on there like him, I could do this. Like very kind. It looked like a really fun experience. And so, yeah, I ended up starting it from that and found a real passion for it. Wow. So can you explain for those of us who don't know what OnlyFans is? Yeah. So OnlyFans, it's a paid uh, subscription site. So it's not exclusively porn sex work, but that is what makes it the most popular. So basically someone just pays to view your feed and that way they can see everything you've posted from there and they pay a monthly subscription and then they can chat with you. There's like added, if you wanted to send like a pay-per-view message or something, you can do that as well on there. Right. Okay, cool. So yes. you could get kind of custom stuff if you pay extra, you can get like custom. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's lots of sites out there that offer a similar service of paid and OnlyFans is not always known as sex worker friendly. And so that people are trying to make their own platforms, but that's the most like household name, the one that people know to go to. So right, right. Where you end up making money. Yeah. And you did mention that you're exclusively online sex worker. So there's no touch, actual touch involved. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So can you explain a little bit more about like what is involved in that? Yeah. So like I started right before the world exploded with quarantine and COVID. And so it was really interesting to see how many people are looking for connection during this time when you can't physically touch. I do have a lot of coworkers online who do both like in-person meetups and online. And it's people looking for type of intimacy. Absolutely. So for me, a lot of what I do is I do a lot of sexting, putting my English degree to really great use. I write erotica on there, but it can also be, you can do video messaging, you can do voice. It kind of depends on the person, but I personally don't do a ton of that, but it's a lot about connecting with people. People are wanting to be heard and 
have people want to know about their day and like what's going on. And the thing I've loved the most is how many people join and want to talk about exploring their gender or sexuality. And this seems to be a safe space to do that anonymously. Mm. That tends to be a lot of what we do. So you just know their username, I assume. I know their username. Yeah. Whatever they want to tell me. And then I, sometimes I hear a lot. And then I have a boundary about what I'll share with them about my personal information. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But some of them want their real name. They want me to know what they look like. They want me to know what they sound like. Some want a fake name. Like it's mm. such a level there of comfort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And did you kind of ease yourself into it and then realize, okay, I'm feeling comfortable now. I'm going to go to the next level. I guess, you, yeah, you could have started off kind of like phone sexting almost really, couldn't you? And then you can, there's so many options on there to start. Like sex work is such an umbrella term and there's tons of websites. So I do subscribe or I'm on like sexting websites where people can pay. I really just started as like taking pictures and then slowly started to feel more comfort and realize like the things that I like. And then what I say to a lot of people when they start, like friends who have started or something your persona will change. Like when you start, you have no idea what you like, what you're comfortable with. And I've had people ask me if I'll do scenarios with them and I have to do real soul searching and we'll talk to other sex workers and say, where do I draw the line on comfort? Mm -hmm. And some I've had to say, you know, no kink shaming, but that's not my interest. I can talk to someone else, see if someone's interested or, or, you know, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just kind of finding your comfort, your niche in this world. Because especially now, it's very oversaturated. Like everyone is starting an account in an yeah, effort to make right. money in these times. Well, that's the great thing about that though, because everyone is unique. So you really yes. can have all the flavors of the rainbow. <laughs> One thing I saw as well when I started was it was a meme that was like, you expected this to be easy money, didn't you? Like that was your prejudice against sex work. And that was really confronting to me because part of me did think it would be easy and it's not. And I've seen a lot of people start, especially during COVID and they'll say, I've been doing it a week and I haven't made any money. And it's like, this is a job. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is, can you walk us through a day in the life of you? Yeah. Yeah. So to keep in mind, this is current in how our world is now, where I live in a very privileged country where our government is supporting us to stay at home. Mm -hmm. So that gives me the privilege of doing this full time. So for me, a day in the life is very much one of promotion is like the biggest part of it. And so I was not on Twitter. I was not a huge social media person before. And now I am on Twitter all day long and Reddit, which is a horrifying place on the internet. So a lot of my day is, is yeah, is promoting. It's you join groups to try and share more of your work on Twitter. So I go on and retweeting other people's content, putting my own down to get them to promote mine. It's making content. Perhaps I have like a custom I have to make and also promoting on Reddit, like I said, which is a whole other beast. And so a lot of my day is like fine is it's just pushing myself, like pumping myself out, trying to get my image out as much as possible, networking, mm-hmm. making online connections. 
in an effort to get my account out there more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also quite lucky that I live alone. So I can make content anytime I want or like edit in the middle of the, the apartment or something. I don't have to hide anything. It's a lot of being on my phone. It's a lot of being on the computer. And honestly, in like sweatpants, it's really funny to like edit sexy photos of me and be like, I make money for this and I look like a gremlin right now. But here we are. That's so great though. I mean, you know, if you're going to, I mean, the reality reality is, I'm sure that happens a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. People don't just sit around in their lingerie. It's not the most comfortable attire. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I'll get like, oh, can I see a picture of you right now? And I'm like, uh, I need to like wash my face. <laughs> now it's not a good time. <laughs> let me get like a backlogged photo and pretend this is how I lounge. <laughs> it's like, let me turn down Netflix. Yeah. I know people have messaged me before. What are you wearing? And I'm like, um. <laughs> yeah. Do you want the honest answer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, let me come up with some nice fantasy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's a lot of just like, plugged into my devices, which is kind of overwhelming sometimes. But yeah, like talking to people, getting to know people. And I've gotten in a space on Twitter where I talk to a lot of like queer people all day. So I honestly feel like I have found a safe space on the internet that I can kind of nestle into all day. That's nice. Because yeah, I guess my only exposure to OnlyFans is there's an Instagram account I follow because obviously because of the website, I follow a lot of love, sex and relationship and sexologists. And yeah, there was a woman on there and she does a lot of kind of very, really beautiful erotic photos. And then she is like, okay, if you want more content, you can go to my OnlyFans. And I guess now that I think about it, of course she's promoting, but I never really thought about it like that because you know you can still get a lot of really nice content from her Instagram page. And yeah, and I was like, I guess she'd be naked, but I'm okay with seeing her yeah. Beautiful lingerie on because it's quite arty what she does, which I really like. That was something for me. It was like erotic art was kind of the thing I was looking for and starting to figure out my like aesthetic and style and things that maybe like spoke to my like sex worker character, but wouldn't be me as much was really interesting to kind of see where our personalities like diverge. Yeah. Despite the fact that I created her. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Like, I do have an Instagram as well. And it's fun to have a different side of it. Unfortunately, all of these apps do not support sex workers. No. <laughs> all accounts are being shut down. I heard that Instagram are changing their terms of service, aren't they? And they're really cracking yeah. down on a lot of accounts. There's some whispers in Twitter too. It's, yeah. Oh, it's such a shame because there's so many, like you said, beautiful, arty, like there's this beautiful artist I follow. His name's Michael Draws. I'm not sure if you follow him, but he does this beautiful erotic art and it's mostly men going down on women, <laughs> which I really like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're really, really beautiful pieces of art and he can't post them on Instagram. So he'll post like a blurred out version with the genitals yes, blurred yes, and he'll be yes. like, you know, go to Twitter for the full version. And then you go to Twitter and it's this beautiful, beautiful image. He's an absolutely gorgeous artist. And I think, yeah, so he's already getting censored. And, you know, I think there's a difference to me. There's a difference between hardcore porn, which, by the way, if it's ethical, I don't have a problem with it, but porn and these kinds of erotic art. Because, yeah, it's a tough conversation. I guess it would be hard for Twitter and Instagram to censor the content when, like, there are very young children on Instagram, for example. Absolutely. And it's something on Twitter quite a bit that, if someone is underage, like their username is sent throughout to say block, 
like there's no interest like in the as you say like the ethical groups like it's one of we are 18 plus people who are exhibitionists or voyeurists of some sort right and this is a form of artwork for us mm. it's funny I, I always felt like a creative person growing up but felt like I didn't have a medium and now it's quite funny to be like oh of course I didn't because I was a child and now as an adult I'm like oh this was the medium it's, yeah awesome it's acting as a therapist and being naked for people yeah and it's interesting actually I spoke to a sex worker and she was she hang on was she a sex worker I think she did do some sex work but at the time she started just tripping and she was in a club and she was telling me that she said a lot of the men just wanted to talk. She said, I had a man pay me and he didn't want to dance. He just wanted to sit down and talk. Yeah. And I've heard that a lot, actually. I really have heard that quite often. And I'm like, huh, okay. So I often say to people, like, I'm being paid for my time. Like, it doesn't always feel like I'm being paid for, like, my image or something. And often what I like is <laughs> I've had, like, intense conversations with people. And then we end it with, like, coming and so it's like we have a moment of like looking inwards and sharing and then this like palate cleanser of of joy after yeah right really blown me away just yeah like the similarities of things I hear like mainly my buyers are men are cis men and to hear the stories and like the trauma like it's interesting to hear patterns and see them kind of pop up what kind of patterns are you hearing if you don't mind sharing I think it's a lot of like personal frustration. I think it's like we don't teach our men to know any emotion other than like anger. So when they're in a safe space of being allowed to have someone who wants to like hear about their day or something, it's just like that nurturing thing that they're looking for. And recently, like when I started, because of my age, I was doing more of like a girlfriend experience. And also like, I should preface, like there is a lot of like domination, like female domination or financial domination, like in sex work that people are into. I happen to cater to a more like nurturing thing just because that's my personality. Like I can't degrade people. (laughs) And I've had people say like, can we do like degradation? And I'm like, I can encourage you warmly. Like I can't (laughs) put you down. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that kind of brings a certain type of like buyer to me. But mm-hmm. people who are just like lonely and want someone to talk to and be excited to hear from them. And oh, I was saying like, I started as this girlfriend experience. And as I've been evolving, I've been really recently doing this like mommy thing, which really surprised me where people are just looking for like a nurturing figure to like soothe them. And I'm blown away by how many people have said like, I didn't think I was into this, but I think I'm into this. And I just like want someone to tell me I'm safe and okay. Oh, that's so nice. It makes me sad that people are struggling to find that, but there is now such an access to it, which is great. Yeah. It feels nice that they can access it. I guess it's tough that it has to be paid for, but I mean, it wouldn't be nice to get it for free. (laughs) But then again, it does mutually benefit that I am someone who I have, like, I love hearing people's problems. (laughs) When I actually shared with my aunt that I did this, she was like, I think you should become a therapist or a counselor. I'm like, I'm using those skills though. Like, obviously the pay scale is different and the like officialness is different, but Mm -hmm. I'm using these skills that I 
have excess amounts of and it's being paid for and people are looking for it. So it works well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you said that you've discovered like, you know, this nurturing side of you and what your boundaries are and what you have, you do like and what you don't like. What are some things that maybe have surprised you about this journey? For myself or just like things I've... I guess on one hand, like parts of you that you were like, oh, wow, like just accessing that part of myself that I kind of... Or maybe you're just really enjoying it more than you thought you would. I think one thing I really have found through this is a confidence. Um, It started like for my body specifically. I remember it started in life drawing when I saw someone they shared their drawings and I saw someone's of mine and I went, that's what my stomach looks like to you. And then I had a moment of like, okay, that's what your stomach looks like. Like, that's okay. And like those kind of messages of like, you don't have to look a certain way to be beautiful. You don't have to fit into something to be desirable. I have found that everyone is attracted to something about you. And I've learned that like, I don't necessarily have to be attracted to my body type, but it doesn't mean I don't have to love my body, if that makes a bit of sense. And so through this, I've found a lot of confidence. And so again, because I do this more like nurturing side, I don't get as much hate, but when I do get it, I like, especially Reddit, (laughs) I have had horrible things said to me and it is so easy to brush it off. Because it's one thing when I have 19 messages being like, I love this about you, that about you. Like, I would love this. I'd love to talk to you more. So it's helped a lot with that. And in a way to almost be, it's healed for me, like kind of the external validation, even though I'm just saying I got a bunch of it. (laughs) Because I think in part of that, and also like growing a stronger sense of self, I don't feel, it's almost easier to discern those who are time wasters as well. I feel like I'm kind of understanding people more, myself more. It's also really kind of opened my eyes to like habits of men, people on the male end of the spectrum who like you hear the same lies and lines and it's so much easier to discern it and find quality people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been pretty eye-opening with that. Like I feel like the things I've learned through this, I navigate the real world quite differently. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Mm, Okay. Actually, I wanted to ask this and I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about this, but how much do you get paid? I just blurted it right out then. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. So like I say that because it, it depends like what they get. Like, and I create my own prices and that's something I really struggle with. And it's actually interesting that you ask that now because I offered a free service on my page for a long time that I just recently decided to stop offering. And it was just because it was draining to give it away for free. Mm-hmm. But when I started, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Your prices are lower. Your, the quality of your content is lower. You don't know how much to say you're worth. And so like, I'll charge a certain amount for my page, but then there's like pay-per-view on top of that and customs. So it kind of depends if people will buy that or not. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'm not making... At this point, I'm not making enough to live off of. But I figured out early on, I really wanted to make a quality following, not a quantity of following. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to grow slowly. I'm really happy with 
how it's been going. This is me skirting around the money. Yeah, that's, a, that's fine. That's fine. You, you answer however you would like. Yeah, it depends is the answer. Yeah, we got an idea with the not enough to live on. Yeah, so I get that. At this point, no, but I have seen people online who will say like I started and like now I bought a house. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is incredible. And like you said, I think there's all different flavors, right? So, I mean, I think there's people who are kind of perhaps more willing to do stuff that maybe, I'm not sure what the spectrum of, you know, services is, I guess, but maybe they're willing to do something that you just don't feel comfortable doing. Or That's a really know. good point too, actually. Yeah. Like there is, people will charge more for harder kinks or whatever. And, yeah, and you have- totally. And more explicit, you know, much more explicit content, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just kind of using my imagination here. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe honestly how many people after I said, hey, I'm going to stop offering this free service, they turned their rebill off. And I was like, you're paying just the monthly thing. Really, it was just like, oh, I'm not getting this amount of access to you and I don't want to put more money in. And so it's deciding as a seller, are those yeah. the people that I want to have? And I think I'm ready to move up to the tier now of like, no, my energy, my time, my art is valuable. Yeah. So scary to demand money for that. Yeah. But you know what? You're so right. And it is. And how you were saying like, I think it sounds really great. Like what you've discovered, like, you know, I'm more nurturing. This is my style. I'm not willing to offer this for, you know, give you my energy for nothing anymore. And it's funny, I think when you start setting your own standards higher, people, I mean, obviously people get that from your behavior, but also people react, like new people who come in who didn't know that you've changed your standards, they see you differently as well. Like it kind of elevates your being or something. I don't don't know if that's the right word, but it's just, I really feel like it's kind of like saying to the universe, I'm realizing I value myself more than I realized before, but I'm not going to do that anymore. So this is what's happening from now on. Absolutely. And I'm okay with the repercussions of that. Absolutely. And even just when you mentioned like the nurturing thing, like I've been told my entire life, like you're too sensitive, like you have to toughen up. And it's been so empowering to realize that like, this is a superpower that I can use and apply to people. Mm -hmm. And I've also had people who demand things of me. And I feel so much stronger to be like, no, you don't deserve my energy versus those who like they could ask you the exact same question, but it's someone who's like earned my friendship and respect in this business. And I will bend over backwards for them. And it makes me realize that when someone comes up and demands something and they're saying like, I deserve this, I feel so much more confident to be like, no, not for me. Like you can go figure that, like I'm not wasting my energy on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which has been very empowering. That block button is real sweet. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, how people feel entitled to something? It's kind of like, um, I don't think I, so. And it's been very shocking to realize like how much I let people walk over me before versus now. I'm like, oh God, so much time wasted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's a journey, isn't it? We all realize, I've certainly done it before as well, where you're like, hang on a second, that's actually not okay with me. And, or I had a moment of weakness or I was emotionally going through something and I couldn't kind of stand up for myself the way I normally do. Or you changed your mind. Like, yeah, is allowed to do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When you realize that yourself, you're like, actually, you know what? This is not going to work for me. Yeah. I remember someone gave me that line because I was like, I need a way to say it to someone that isn't offensive. Because, you know, I tend to go <laughs> more harsh. That's my kind of go-to, which I've definitely had raining over the years. 
And I was talking to this man and he said to me, you know what I always say? And I was like, yes, please give it to me. <laughs> and I always say, that's not going to work for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Because he goes, then you're not saying anything about them and they can't argue with, or, you know, that doesn't feel good for me or this is not going to work for me. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, what do you say to that? If someone's like, well, you know, too bad. It's like, well, yeah, that's right. That's the way it is. Or let's find a common ground that will work for everybody. Yeah. Or if there isn't one, then it's not going to work. Yeah. I'm stating my boundary that does not going to continue at this juncture. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to work for me. Really, when I started using that, I was like, I really noticed people's different reactions. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing. (laughs) This is what I've been missing. (laughs) And it's hard to start. I've even had close friends say to me, I'm going to practice saying no. So I might say no to you, like for a hangout or something, even if I want to. But like, I'm really trying to say no in safe places. Mm. It's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Say no to me. I will hold you from afar. Yeah. It's great when you have those really close relationships, isn't it? When you're like, you know, I have like one of my best friends, sometimes she gets really busy. And one thing that drives me a little bit crazy sometimes is she'll read her messages, but not respond. (laughs) And she (laughs) does that all the time, right? And I used to get upset about it. And then I spoke to her about it. And she said, look, man, I'm just like, it's not, I don't mean to do it. It's just like, I've got the kids and I'm flat out and I just have... And then so now, anyway, so I said that to her. And when she explained, I was like, oh, okay. And then now I'm like, all I do is just picture her wrangling her kids, not being able to respond. So every time that happens, and it's like, it's really helped because all I do is just chat to her about it instead of take offense and make some story up in my head. Absolutely. The ego is like so tempted to make us think everyone hates us. I had a similar thing with a friend where I was like, I'm really struggling. I need to talk to someone. And she said, I would love that. But like, I get anxious making plans too far in advance. And I think I'll cancel because of the anxiety. So can we play it by ear? And it was so amazing because like it put past behavior, like kind of made sense to me that she felt like that. I didn't know that. Mm. And it was like, I could tell her I needed her and she could say, I'd love to be there for you. Here's how I can do it within my boundaries. And it was so rewarding. I loved it. Yeah. It's so helpful when people communicate like that, I think, because it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Now I can adjust my behavior. It was one thing with polyamory really was like changing my communication styles because I wasn't only communicating with one person all the time in a relationship structure it like allowed me to look at how I spoke to friends and like other partners and new people and myself even. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get into that. That's also a perfect segue. (laughs) So how did you find yourself in ethical non-monogamous relationship? And has it only been like one of those relationship structures or have you had a few different polyamorous relationships? I've been lucky enough to be in a couple. It hasn't been the only thing I have been in the structure. I would say the like assumed heteronormativity of society was pretty ingrained in me, but I definitely knew there was something like up with me forever. And so how I started with polyamory specifically was I, I was in a relationship with someone for a while. And from the very beginning, I kind of forget how it came up, but I remember us saying, if you're ever attracted to someone else, like come talk to me about it. Like never feel trapped in this relationship. And every time we checked in about it, like we were both really happy with each other. We were traveling at the time as well. Like we were really focused on those aspects. And one day we had checked in again and we were like, I think I'm ready for that. And so we spent a day after that conversation, just 
we didn't tell anyone. We just were like, let's live in a world where we are polyamorous and like see how that feels. So we did that for a couple of days, kept checking in and decided to like take the leap. And a big part of it for me as well is that I am pansexual. And so I was just like really struggling with like, am I never going to access this side of myself forever? I don't think I can do that. So yeah, he was amazing. We had like a really fun time opening up, but through that, we realized that we had created the specific relationship structure we were avoiding. We had become enmeshed. We had become codependent. It was not what we wanted. So we stopped living together. We're still best friends, still talk every day. He actually, after we broke up, he also became a content creator on OnlyFans. And so we talk shop all the time. And we've actually made content together after we broke up, which was like super fun. So yeah, and I think if we weren't necessarily polyamorous, I don't know how we would have continued so strongly after it felt like our relationship just evolved to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So while that was all going on, we were like dating other people within that. And yes, I've been polyamorous now. I've been out for two years, I think. And yeah, I've been lucky to kind of experience some highs and lows throughout it all. And how do you find, because I mean, my understanding is that polyamory is different to open relationships in that open relationships is just sex. Whereas polyamory is like actual relationship with multiple people, like all of the other emotional things that come along with it. I think it's all about like what label, I believe labels are like meant to set us free, not tie us down. And so I think whatever label suits you. So my understanding is kind of like non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy is like the umbrella term. And within that you have the different setups. So like, Mm -hmm. is it swinging where... Like maybe it's only sex, but your couple is always there with you. Is it polyamory? And polyamory under that has a whole bunch of different setups and stuff. So Mm -hmm. it does, I think when I hear like, oh, is that the term you used before? Like open versus... Yeah, open relationship. I don't think that that always just means sex. I think it's just a different dynamic type. Mm. But for me, what I'm looking for is like relationships with multiple people. Yeah. I had a really deep conversation with a friend of mine and they have a swinging relationship and we got talking about the rules of the relationship. And what's great about being part of Rebel Love is that with all these kind of you know different relationship structures, you really do get to write your own rules. And it was interesting hearing their rules because they were very specific. <laughs> like she was like, he's not allowed to sleep with anybody who's thinner than me. Like, oh my. <laughs> yeah. Like that was one of the rules. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, well, well, like, how is that decided then? And then I said, well, and then another couple of friends I spoke to who are also polyamorous, they were like, we have to meet the person before they have any sexual relations. Yeah. That's like an absolute, they have to meet. And I was like, oh, okay. So how does that work? I said, well, if, so if my wife wants to bring somebody home, she can bring somebody home. We'll have like a games night or something and I'll get to know the guy. And then if we, and then we'll chat about it. And if we both feel good about it, then she can go and And so she had a boyfriend and she was married and her husband knew, obviously. And yeah, so they talked about it. Yeah. Where some people, it's like the opposite. Like I can never meet them. I can't see a picture. Like you have to find what works for you. Yeah. That's the thing. There's no one size fits all. And what happens when someone messes up? Like you have to have that conversation as well. Mm -hmm. And rules evolve as well as relationships do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We actually had on our first rule that we couldn't watch any new episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race with other people (laughs) because it was our show. That's a cool rule. That's good. It was like, 
always wear condoms with new partners with penetrative sex. Don't watch RuPaul. <laughs> That's so funny. They're equally important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there are those times where it's like, hey, this is our space, right? Exactly. And it was fun to kind of add even like goofy things in because it's meant to be fun. Right. Yeah. You said something before I want to come back to it. You mentioned the word pansexual. Mm -hmm. For somebody who doesn't know what that is, can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So a lot of the times there's this like pansexual versus bisexual debate and it's the long history and debate and to the best of my knowledge, because I don't want to ruffle feathers, but to the best of my knowledge of this is bisexual is, again, a kind of an umbrella term. And underneath that, there are other labels that might fit you a bit better. So bisexual being attracted to more than one. There's a misconception that bi literally just means two. You're attracted to two genders. And so people assume that bisexuality is inherently transphobic. And so people have said, and when I started calling myself pansexual, I was guilty of this. I was like, well, trans people exist, so I must be pan. So through more understanding, more research, there's an Instagram I would highly recommend called Fem Meow, which she has phenomenal resources on this. It's kind of like bias, maybe I like more than one color, whereas pan is like, I like all the colors. Right. And so for me, the reason pan fits for me is because I, my attachment to each person is so individual. I don't have an attraction to a type. I don't have an attraction to like a gender. It's just kind of like a person could attract me. I have one-on-one connections. So that's why pan works for me, but I do sometimes use it interchangeably with bisexual. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really just, but under bisexual, there's demisexual, there's omnisexual, like it goes on and on. But pan for me is I'm attracted to anyone. Yay. Okay, cool. Which means I really just have to go off of my gut a lot of the time is like, there's really no rhyme or reason about what might attract me to someone, but how they make me feel. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to something you said about your rules with your past partner. Yeah. With the condom. So how do you practice safe sex when you're sleeping with... I mean, obviously there's obvious ways, but I know that there are ways that you can pick up STIs while having protected sex. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any kind of rules around that that you follow for just for yourself or? So when I first opened up with this one partner, like that we had been together for like six years, we were obviously not using condoms. And like I have an IUD, like there were forms of birth control already in place that we were dealing with. So when we added in other people, it was a conversation about like, well, do we use contraceptive for oral sex or just penetrative sex? especially because like I was having sex with people with vaginas and penises. Right. And then at one point I was dating someone who had a penis and we decided we wanted to become fluid bonded, which basically just means you stop using condoms. So that had to be a big discussion with my partner, my, this partner's other partner and their partner. Like it was a whole conversation about like who was wearing condoms and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of it is communication, trust. Also, I get tested quite often. And then when there are slip-ups, because I've had slip-ups, I've had partners who have had slip-ups, it's coming clean. It's dealing with 
those repercussions and like moving forward instead of being like, well, you ruined the rules and we're no longer polyamorous. Right. It's like, okay, how do we move forward from this? And when you make rules, especially at the beginning, it's so idealistic. Like, oh, well, I'll I'll never not wear a condom. And then like, oh, well, X, Y, and Z happened and a condom was not used. How do you move forward from that? Yeah, it's very different in the heat of the moment, isn't it? Absolutely. And it is like, you have to decide people's comforts with like, are you going to use dental dams all the time? Are you going to put condoms on shared toys? Are you going to, you know, are these toys just for us? I had a partner who had a, like a bit more of a dom sub relationship with another partner. Mm-hmm. So there were toys that I would say, like, bring this when you come over and they would have to ask permission. Right. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of talking. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of talking. It's a, a lot, lot of communication. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, I guess the more practice you have at communicating, the easier it becomes, right? Because it's like, oh, let's just quickly have this conversation. Absolutely. And that was something that I made a lot of the people in my polycule at the time laugh, like when COVID hit. And it was like having to talk to roommates about like, do you mind if I see this person? And I was like, all of my polyam friends and I were like prepared for these conversations. It wasn't weird to check in with the line of people like it was for others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if there's like some issue, because I'm, you know, just then in that scenario, you were like, I had to talk to my partner and then the partner that I was with at the time had to talk to their partner and then they had to talk to their other partner. So there's this like yeah. chain of partners. What if like the partner two links down the chain has an issue with something, then does everything just stop? Because I guess everything's going to be kind of peachy for it to move forward, right? Everyone's going to be consensual. Yeah, it does. And I don't know about necessarily like, I guess it depends what the conversation is, if it'll like stop or not. Right. Maybe there's room for conversation or what's making you anxious about this. Mm-hmm. Because I know like when the fluid bonded question came up, I had to wait for my partner, like my partner that I lived with to be comfortable. I was like, great, we had this conversation. So like we're on the same page. And he was like, I'm going to have to think about it. And I had to really patiently wait. It is like giving space for other people's feelings, which can be daunting. And when it is too down the line, you have to decide how much, you know, your metamors, which is like the term for your partner's partner. Oh, okay. They have to be like, everyone has to be comfortable to keep it like ethical. Yeah. Well, what other terms are there? Because I've never heard that before. Oh, I'm sure there's like triad, thruple. I mean, those are kind of more easier to figure out. There's like... I've also heard of different terms of polyamory, like like a V polyamory, which would be basically like, but there's one person who has two partners. I'm explaining this to you with visual, which is not yeah. helpful in audio <laughs> format. Two fingers but, now, everybody. <laughs> yeah. But like basically like the person in the middle is the V and then either side of the V is their partners or like maybe there's, right. it's just kind of like configurations and terms for it, mm-hmm. which did not explain that all. No, I mean, I guess it's, like you said, labels are, you know, they're kind of just an aid to help us understand something. They don't necessarily need to be hard and fast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I would say the biggest like terms I learned was like using polyam versus poly for short form. Okay. Because Polynesian people use poly as a short form and it's kind of an erasure for them. So yeah. So I tend to say polyam. And yeah, metamorph was the other one that I used the most. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's very helpful. (laughs) I feel like we've covered so much today. 
before we wrap up, I mean, I really feel like I could just keep talking to you for ages. <laughs> I mean, I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I mean, I learn so much. Every time I speak to somebody else in a polyamorous relationship, I'm like, man, there's just so many, you know, I just love the exploring together because I feel like with that kind of level of communication, you can't not just keep growing. You know? I totally agree. Like I was saying before, like it changed my friendships. It changed my relationship with myself. It opened up a lot for me. And I mean, it's not for everyone. I'm not to say like, this is how relationships should be structured, but mm-hmm. there's a term relationship anarchy, which I think <laughs> we need a little bit of because there is an assumption that really messes with people as they grow up and leads them to struggle as they get older about who am I? What, what works for me? Why am I unhappy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's not for everybody, but there's options out there, aren't there? There's like certainly options out there. Yeah. And thank you for explaining at the start how you kind of came into this with your partner. Like, oh, we're not kind of ready for it yet, but let's kind of just start thinking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, it was just, I've always been a like attracted to most people, horny person. So it was like, maybe one day we'll do this, but it is really scary, especially when you are opening up something that's so private and personal. Right. It changes completely. It's a different relationship structure. Yeah. And you genuinely don't want your partner to be hurt. And the thing is, I found this as well. Your partner will say something like, I'm okay. And then something will happen and then they're not okay. And mm-hmm. it's like, you can't go back. Exactly. You can't take away things, which is it's yeah. really scary. <laughs> yeah. It's really scary. And I think what's scary about non-monogamy is like you're opening yourself up to more variables of people's emotions, which has been like good and bad for me. But Mm -hmm. the bad stuff has obviously led to better stuff on the other end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess so. one last question before we go. Actually, I guess it's kind of a two-pronged question. (laughs) The first one would be, what do you do if you cop any kind of negativity from people about your lifestyle choices? Like when I tell them what I do? More about their relation, the polyamory, like I'm polyamorous relationships. Do you cop any kind of negativity from people around about that judgment? Yes and no. A lot of people, like kind of my generation, our generation, like their response is like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Why would one person be everything for everyone? Yeah. I've been lucky with some of my family members being very supportive. My parents not super pumped about it was kind of the last conversation we had was me coming out to them. So yeah, I've had good and bad. I get a lot of, I'd say it's more like gawking. It's a bit more like, Ooh, like what's that about versus that's disgusting. Right. But I do run and very like being queer myself. Like I do run in a crowd of people who are more like sensitive, artistic, whatever. So it's not as surprising. But I have had jobs where I'll tell them and like the eyes that open. I One time I said to a girl, oh, I did this with one of my boyfriends. And she's like, what? <laughs> I said, oh, I, I have multiple partners. And she's like, that sounds awesome. And I'm like, it really, really is. <laughs> tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes it's just like, you can do that? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? I remember mm-hmm. someone telling me in New York, I went to dinner with this lovely woman. And she was telling me that, yeah, they just opened up their relationship. And that's exactly what happened. I don't know. He mentioned something about being away. And she said, well, you know, if you, if you feel like that's something you want to explore. And he's like, he's like, wait, 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 wait what? Yeah. <laughs> we can do this? And she's like, well, yeah, we're the boss of their relationship. So we get to decide. Absolutely. 
I mean, and that's the number one thing. We're the boss of the relationship. And as we were talking about like metamors and stuff, like other people are involved in that their emotions, like, you know, you have to consider everyone. So it becomes a lot of conversation, but you are the boss of it. And if you can find a group of people who are comfortable with this, like I met my best friend through my most recent partner who we are no longer partners, but they were partners a while ago. And she's my best friend now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So like it's opened up to like everything and you can decide like it's just, I don't know, it's enriching. One last question was, do you have any advice for anyone who's wanting to get into online sex work? I mean, you already gave some really good nuggets before. Like, don't think you're going to be making money, a lot of money straight away. Do not think you're going to be making money straight away. Um, My little nuggets, I would say are like, if you have a, an inkling for it, a passion for it, like take a step into it. You do not have to show your tits on Twitter if you don't want to. It's empowering for some of us, not for others. I would say find your community, do your research. Don't be afraid to network with people and approach things with curiosity versus an entitlement or an understanding that you know something. Like the world has changed so much since I started, since like Black Lives Matter this summer, since like all these things going on, the landscape is slowly changing and people are there to help you, not hurt you. Like it's more of a help building each other up versus competitiveness. I think that's important because you will engage with people who are there out for themselves and it's not as fun. You're not going to stay there, I think, as long. You're not going to enjoy yourself as much. It's a place to meet some like-minded people and get off in a fun way. Mm, It's a lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. This has been awesome to chat to you. This has been so fun. Yeah, it's very relaxing. You've got a very calming voice. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, I don't know how you feel like that. Or what I could do is they could email Rebel Love and then I could always forward it to you. Yeah, that's probably the best one is to email you and forward it that way. If they're looking for info or resources or something, I can definitely send those along. Cool. So you can email support at rebellove.com to get in touch with Rebecca if you have any questions. And also all the links mentioned in this episode, you can find at rebellove.com forward slash EP22. Uh, that is rebellove.com forward slash EP22. Thank you again, Rebecca. You're a legend. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast. The podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. And find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.